Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Do you know how merciless the Amalekites were to the Israelites? Do you know some of the things? It's it's even hard to utter the words in describing what the Amalekites did to the Jews. And God commanded Saul to annihilate them before they annihilated God's people. And he disobeyed that command. And here Esther, all these generations later, is making good on the command of God. They're all to be killed. Not one of them spared. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Esther. The request of Esther to see the sons of Haman put to death can come off rather harsh without context. However, students of Scripture might be quick to remember Israel's history. In today's message, Pastor J.D. teaches us how Esther's request was in order to fulfill King Saul's duty to wipe out the Amalekites centuries ago. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Esther chapter 9 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Now, here's Esther's response, verse 13. Then Esther said, if it pleases the king, let it be granted to the Jews who are in Shushan to do again tomorrow. She wants an extended day in this battle to do again tomorrow according to today's decree. Give us one more day. And let Haman's ten sons be hanged on the gallows. Yeah, you go girl. <laughs> Sorry. So, verse 14, the king commanded this to be done. The decree was issued in Shushan, and they hanged Haman's ten sons. Um, I want to, maybe this is as good of a time as any to address something here. I sometimes come under criticism for my sanctified satisfaction in seeing uh, the wicked get their just, uh, you're laughing, (laughs) because you do too, don't you? I mean, it's, listen, uh, I've and I'm talking about even when I was a pastor on the mainland, that's not very loving. Where, where's the love? We're to love our enemies. Oh, okay. If I recall, there are several places in the pages of Holy Writ where God himself says, I laugh at them. I laugh at them. And there's a cheering that takes place. When God has the final word with man's evil, God laughs. I think there's a sanctified satisfaction that is justified when God has the final word. And here's Esther. I mean, she could be accused of being disproportionately harsh. I mean... Here's the queen saying, I want the ten sons of Haman hung on the gallows. And the king, that that sounds like you're being vengeful. 
Doesn't God say, vengeance is mine, says the Lord? Wait, you, you're, this is vindictive because of what Haman and his sons apparently wanted to do to you. So you're getting back at them. That's not right. Oh, really? It's not? Well, wait a minute. Not so fast. Hear me out. I'm going to argue the case. And with a holy boldness, please don't think this is arrogance. God knows my heart. But with a holy boldness, I will tell you that what Esther does here was in obedience to the command of God. And, oh, by the way, wasn't it Saul, the king, the first king of Israel in 1 Samuel 15, that spared this King Agag of the Amalekites? Oh, oh, he, he showed them mercy, apparently. Wait a minute. God commanded him to kill every single Amalekite, leave none alive, and to kill even the women and the children and the livestock. How about that? And he spares this king, uh, Agag, the Amalekite. You know who uh, was a descendant of this, this guy? Haman. Haman. We, we, we learned that right out of the chute on day one in chapter one. When we were introduced to, it might not have been chapter one, it might have been chapter two. I'm a, I stand corrected if I'm wrong. But when we were introduced to Haman, we're told who he's the descendant of. And wouldn't you know it, he's the descendant, he's an Amalekite. Do you know how merciless the Amalekites were to the Israelites? Do you know some of the things? It's, it's even hard to utter the words in describing what the Amalekites did to the Jews. And God commanded Saul to annihilate them before they annihilated God's people. And he disobeyed that command. And here Esther, all these generations later, is making good on the command of God. They're all to be killed. Not one of them spared. And these ten sons of Haman, they are to be hung on the gallows. And they were. And the king granted this petition. It's righteous. What do we know to be true about God? He is just, He is righteous, and He is fair. He is just, He is righteous, and He is fair. His judgments are righteous. And so this is what we see happening here. I feel a lot better. I hope you do too. Let's move on. Verse 15. And the Jews who were in Shushan gathered together again on the 14th day. Can I just say one last thing? I'm sorry, you'll forgive me. This is uh, maybe how I'm wired. But what do you think is going to happen on that great and final day? When every tongue will confess and every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. What do you think in the book of Revelation, when all of heaven is rejoicing when God finally brings the due justice 
as he pours out his wrath on a Christ-rejecting world. Let me, let me uh, see if I can bear with me here, okay? Okay, we say, well, God's a God of love. Okay, yes, he is. Well, in order for God to be a God of love, he has to be a just God. If he's not a just God, he's not a loving God. And conversely, if he's not a loving God, he's not a just God. How about this illustration? You're in a courtroom before a judge. And the judge is going to now give the sentence, the sentencing phase, of someone who has been convicted of a very serious and egregious uh, and unspeakable crime. And the judge says, you know what, I'm going to be lenient on you. Um, and I'm going to just give you time served instead of life in prison. You might say, well, wow, that's really nice of you. Yeah, but that's not just. That is an unjust judge. And by the way, uh, you, you say, where's the love? Where's the love for the victim? Where's the love for the victim? Years ago on the mainland, I, I saw an envelope uh, and it said, this, it, it threw me off. It said, uh, victims have rights too. Well, that should be a firm grasp of the obvious, shouldn't it? Victims have rights too? Wait, what? The victims? <laughs> the, the, the presupposition is, is that the victim can be victimized by virtue of not seeing justice be served. That's unjust. And if it's unjust, that's unloving. So you cannot be loving and not just, and you cannot be just and not loving. It's either you're just and loving, or you're neither. You cannot be one or the other. This is just. This is righteous, what is taking place here. In the Old Testament, this is something that when you're... Um, in a conversation with particularly a Muslim, they always rub your face in this. Well, in the Old Testament, God commanded the Israelites to wipe out everybody, like was the case with particularly the Amalekites. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, that the God of the Old Testament was a vengeful and wrathful God. Well, wait a minute. When the Israelites did it, they did it in obedience to the command of God. And that's the difference. They're obeying the command of God. And the command of God was to cut off these people. Why? Because they sought to annihilate God's people. You have to have that understanding. And this is where knowing the Word of God and the God of the Word is so vital and so important. Because if you don't study to show yourself approved, you're going to be embarrassed and you're going to be ashamed when you don't rightly divide the word of truth and know the word of God and how to give to every man an answer of that hope that lies within you. Because you have to understand that Satan is alive and well in trying to 
paint God as unjust. And that's what he did in the, in the uh, garden, didn't he? Nothing's new under the sun. What did he try to do with Adam and Eve? He tried to create this, this scenario whereby God can't be trusted. Uh, he's holding out on you. He's holding out. He does not want your eyes to be open. And he knows that in the day that you eat from this tree, you will know what he knows and what he doesn't want you to know. He's not fair. That's not fair. You see? It's just all kind of reinvented, repackaged. It's the same old lie from the father of lies. And that's what he seeks to do. Okay, now we can move on. Verse 15. And the Jews who were in Shushan gathered together again on the 14th day of the month of Adar and killed 300 men at Shushan, but they did not lay a hand on the plunder. There it is again. The remainder of the Jews, verse 16, in the king's provinces gathered together and protected their lives, had rest from their enemies, and killed, how about this number, 75,000 of their enemies. But they did not lay a hand on the plunder. This was on the 13th day of the month of Adar, and on the 14th of the month they rested and made it a day of feasting and gladness. So here again, we're told that the Jews wouldn't take any plunder from their enemies. And I don't know if you, if you do the math, think about 75,000. That's a lot of plunder. That's a lot of plunder that they didn't even touch. I wonder what the king thought about that. How much of an impression this must have made. I've never seen anything like this before. They didn't take, are you sure? When the reports came back, are you sure? No. They didn't take any of the plunder? Not, not even a little bit? No, they wouldn't touch it. Yeah, but 75,000, that's a lot of plunder. Didn't they just take a little bit of it? No. Wow. This would have been unheard of, right? Especially when their enemies were so soundly defeated. And then here they are, they're celebrating, they're feasting, they're given rest from their enemies. And in verse 18, we're told, But the Jews who were at Shushan assembled together on the 13th day, as well as on the 14th, and on the 15th of the month they rested, and made it a day of feasting and gladness. Therefore, verse 19, the Jews of the villages who dwelt in the unwalled town celebrated the 14th day of the month of Adar with gladness and feasting as a holiday and for sending presents to one another. And Mordechai wrote these things and sent letters to all the Jews near and far who were in all the provinces, pardon me, of King Ahasuerus, Two, verse 21, establish among them that they should celebrate yearly the 14th and 15th days of the month of Adar as the days on which the Jews had rest from their enemies as the month which has turned from sorrow to joy for them and from mourning to a holiday. Kind of reminds me of the Psalms where it says that uh, weeping lasts for the night, but joy returns in the morning. What we sow in tears, we will reap in joy. You think about the 
sway of how God took them from death and fasting and prayer on the brink of being annihilated to now feasting and gladness and celebrating and joy, from weeping to joy, what we sow in tears we reap in joy, that they should make them days of feasting and joy, of sending presents to one another and gifts to the poor. So verse 23, the Jews accepted the custom which they had begun as Mordechai had written to them, because Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of all the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to annihilate them, and had cast poor, that is the lot, to consume them and destroy them. But when Esther came before the king, we're getting a little uh, summary here and, and review of how all of this went down. When she went before the king, he commanded by letter that this wicked plot, which Haman had devised against the Jews, should return on his own head, and that he and his sons should be hanged on the gallows. So they called these days Purim, after the name Pur. Therefore, because of all the words of this letter, what they had seen concerning this matter, and what had happened to them, the Jews established, verse 27, and imposed it upon themselves and their descendants and all who would join them, that without fail they should celebrate these two days every year according to the written instructions and according to the prescribed time, that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, every family, every province, and every city, that these days of Purim should not fail to be observed amongst the Jews, and that the memory of them should not perish among their descendants. Then, verse 29, Queen Esther, the daughter of Abihel, with Mordechai the Jew, wrote with full authority to confirm this second letter about Purim. And Mordechai sent letters to all the Jews, to the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus, with words of peace and truth, to confirm these days of Purim at their appointed time, as Mordechai the Jew and Queen Esther had prescribed for them, and as they had decreed for themselves and their descendants concerning matters of their fasting and lamenting. So, verse 32, the decree of Esther confirmed these matters of Purim, and it was written in the book. Did you know that to this day, all these generations later, just as we had read here at the end of the chapter, uh, the Jews celebrate the Feast of Purim. You know what it is? It's on March 13th, it starts, and it goes through three days, and it goes through to uh, March 15th every single year. On the 13th, they fast. You go to Israel today in March. I don't think we've ever been there in March. We've been there in May, November, December. Uh, I've been there in February, very cold. But I don't think I've ever been there in March. But on the 13th of March, they fast. And they do so to commemorate the battle that would take place. Then the uh, 14th and 15th, they feast and they celebrate. And it's really interesting 
You might want to search this online. It's really quite uh, fascinating. So here's what they do. The the children dress up in costumes. Some of the um, young uh, girls will dress up as Esther. Uh, Some of the guys dress up as Mordecai. And if you can imagine, uh, some dress up in costumes as Haman. I don't know why anyone would want (laughs) to do that, Uh, you know, act out the whole thing. But here's what's really interesting. They give, you know, gifts and presents, you know, like kind of like we we exchange at Christmas. But they, they specifically give cookies. And these cookies uh, are called Haman's ears. No, for real. Good. Search it. And uh, I, I heard one guy say, he's, he's Adam, Haman's ears. I don't want, I, you know, you'll forgive me. I love cookies. I just, I don't know if I could eat Haman's ears. But what he was saying is they're absolutely delicious. So there you go. But anyway, to this day, that's how they celebrate the Feast of And you know what else they do? And I'll bring the Bible study to a close with this. Very interesting. They read the book of Esther. The book that we're almost done uh, studying through. All ten chapters in our Bibles every March. Uh, You know what we should do? As much as we love this book, we should just read the book. It's it's a it's a short read. Depending on you know how good of a reader you are, you, you you can read it in one setting. Now think about the book of Ephesians, the book of Galatians that we just uh, finished. There's only six chapters. You can, it, it, and I mean, you could just read it in, in one setting. It brings up a, a one a final point. Uh, I've heard it said that if you, that you can actually read the Bible, I forget how many days it is, but you'd be surprised how quickly you could actually read the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, all the way through. You know, depending on how good of a reader you are, you can actually read the Bible in significantly less time than what you think. I'm talking about maybe a couple, three months. You could actually finish the entire Bible. If you read it every day, certain number of chapters. Every You know, we have those read the Bible in a year plans, and here we just started. It's January uh, 4th. I don't know how you do with that, I seem to do better when I just read it at my own pace. Sometimes I'm able to do it in less than a year. Sometimes it's more. You know, sometimes that works really good for people to have that that uh, structure and that recommended reading. That if you read these many, you know, uh, chapters every day, you'll finish the whole, the entire Bible in one year. Hey, if it takes a year, that's great. But I really think that every Christian should read through the Bible as completely, from Genesis to Revelation, as often as they can. It's just when you get into the Word of God, the Word of God gets into you. Thanks for being part of our time here today on In Spirit and Truth. We'd love to stay connected with you, so visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com today. You'll find a link to our Twitter page where you can join the conversation and fill your feed with encouragement. We'd love to see you here in person at Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe, if you're in the area. We hold services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursday at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website in spiritandtruthradio.com as well as more information about who we are as a community of faith. 
If you can't join us in person, you can still benefit from Pastor J.D.'s teachings through our online resources at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Simply click Listen on the top of the page to find a number of previous messages by Pastor J.D. in various books of the Bible. Along with that, we invite you to check out the Mideast Prophecy Update. The Mideast Prophecy Update is a focused look at current events through the lens of prophecy. The Bible has given us clear indications of what's to come, and we can see these events being played out around the world. Join Pastor J.D. each Friday and Saturday for the Mideast Prophecy Update on our YouTube channel, or download our mobile app to have these updates right at your fingertips. Find a link at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. We're so glad you tuned in today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has much more to share from the Old Testament book of Esther when you join us again right here on In Spirit and Truth.